Hello, friends. It's October 2nd, and this is the One Year Bible Tour Guide Podcast, where we read each day the next portion in both the Old and New Testaments that get us closer to our goal of reading through all 66 books of the Bible in a year. Today, we complete the book of Isaiah, the 23rd book of the Old Testament, and we will continue with the 11th book of the New Testament, the book of Philippians. We take in some breathtaking discoveries in our reading today. My name is David McAdam, pastor and Bible teacher at New Life Community Church in Concord, Massachusetts, and I'm happy to serve as your tour guide. Our reading today takes us to the final chapter of the book of Isaiah. This passage, when I heard it first expounded, was the one through which I came to a saving faith in Christ. This is because Jesus of Nazareth quoted Isaiah 66 verse 24 when he described the eternal reality of hell. He describes hell as a place where their worm, referring to human consciousness, shall not die, and the fire shall not be quenched. In Mark chapter 9, verse 23, we read, If your hand causes you to stumble, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life crippled than having your two hands to go into hell, into the unquenchable fire, where their worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. If your foot causes you to stumble, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life lame than having your two feet to be cast into hell, where their worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. If your eye causes you to stumble, throw it out. It is better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than having two eyes to be cast into hell, where their worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. Jesus is saying that it is vital that sin be dealt with. Sin has consequences, and one consequence is that God's righteousness demands that it be punished. This is true justice, and justice must be upheld. Heaven could not be heaven without the hell that was created to separate and punish all sin, injustice, and rebellion. It was designed to punish eternal beings, not just human souls, but Satan and his angels. God's righteous judgment upon evil must take place. The human race, through its corrupt and hard-hearted rebellion against God, has been taken captive to do Satan's will and will share in Satan's punishment. Jesus speaks more about hell than he does about heaven. It was when I was graciously given the understanding that God was righteous in demanding that I be punished for my sin and that Jesus, the eternal God incarnate, was fulfilling this righteous demand on my behalf when he willingly took my punishment for sin on his own body, that my eyes of my heart's understanding were opened to the good news of the gift of my salvation. It was as if Jesus was saying, You deserved to be here on the cross taking this punishment of hell for your sins, but because of love I am taking it for you. You owed this debt to God's law, but I am paying it for you, so that you could be justly forgiven and clothed with my righteousness. It is noteworthy that in the future judgment, when souls are cast into hell, there is no crying out of it being unfair. Instead, God's righteousness is honored, and even more so, the grace of God in salvation. In the book of Revelation, chapter 19, verse 1, we read, After these things I heard something like a loud voice of a great multitude in heaven, saying, Hallelujah! Salvation and glory and power belong to our God. So let's get started on this final chapter from the book of Isaiah, 
chapter 66, beginning with verse 1. And we are reading from the English Standard Version. Isaiah chapter 66, The Humble and Contrite in Spirit Thus says the Lord, Heaven is my throne, and the earth is my footstool. What is the house that you would build for me? And what is the place of my rest? All these things my hand has made, and so all these things came to be, declares the Lord. But this is the one to whom I will look, he who is humble and contrite in spirit and trembles at my word. He who slaughters an ox is like one who kills a man, he who sacrifices a lamb like one who breaks a dog's neck, he who presents a grain offering like one who offers pig's blood, he who makes a memorial offering of frankincense like one who blesses an idol. These have chosen their own ways, and their soul delights in their abominations. I also will choose harsh treatment for them, and bring their fears upon them, because when I called, no one answered. When I spoke, they did not listen, but they did what was evil in my eyes, and chose that in which I did not delight. Hear the word of the Lord, you who tremble at his word. Your brothers who hate you, and cast you out for my name's sake, have said, Let the Lord be glorified, that we may see your joy. But it is they who shall be put to shame. The sound of an uproar from the city, a sound from the temple, the sound of the Lord rendering recompense to his enemies. Before she was in labor, she gave birth. Before her pain came upon her, she delivered a son. Who has heard such a thing? Who has seen such things? Shall a land be born in one day? Shall a nation be brought forth in one moment? For as soon as Zion was in labor, she brought forth her children. Shall I bring to the point of birth and not cause to bring forth, says the Lord? Shall I who cause to bring forth shut the womb, says your God? Rejoice with Jerusalem and be glad for her, all you who love her. Rejoice with her in joy, all you who mourn over her that you may nurse and be satisfied from her consoling breast, that you may drink deeply with delight from her glorious abundance. For thus says the Lord, Behold, I will extend peace to her like a river, and the glory of the nations like an overflowing stream. And you shall nurse, you shall be carried upon her hip, and bounced upon her knees. As one whom his mother comforts, so I will comfort you. You shall be comforted in Jerusalem. You shall see, and your heart shall rejoice. Your bones shall flourish like the grass, and the hand of the Lord shall be known to his servants, and he shall show his indignation against his enemies. For behold, the Lord will come in fire, and his chariots like the whirlwind, to render his anger in fury, and his rebuke with flames of fire. For by fire will the Lord enter into judgment, and by his sword with all flesh, and those slain by the Lord shall be many. Those who sanctify and purify themselves to go into the gardens, following one in the midst, eating pig's flesh and the abomination and mice, shall come to an end together, declares the Lord. For I know their works and their thoughts, and the time is coming to gather all nations and tongues, and they shall come and see my glory, and I will set a sign among them, and from them I will send survivors to the nations, to Tarshish, Pol, and Lud, who draw the bow, to Tubal and Javan, to the coastlands far away, 
that have not heard my fame or seen my glory. And they shall declare my glory among the nations. And they shall bring all your brothers from all the nations as an offering to the Lord, on horses and in chariots, and in litters and on mules, and on dromedaries, to my holy mountain Jerusalem, says the Lord. Just as the Israelites bring their grain offering in a clean vessel to the house of the Lord. And some of them also I will take for priests and for Levites, says the Lord. For as the new heavens and the new earth that I make shall remain before me, says the Lord, so shall your offspring and your name remain. From new moon to new moon, and from Sabbath to Sabbath, all flesh shall come to worship before me, declares the Lord. And they shall go out and look on the dead bodies of the men who have rebelled against me. For their worm shall not die, their fire shall not be quenched, and they shall be an abhorrence to all flesh. And this concludes the Old Testament portion of our daily reading, and it also concludes the book of Isaiah. Now let's take a few moments to reflect upon what we have just read. Chapter 66 is a fitting climax for the book of Isaiah. Although the chapter and verse divisions in the Bible were not added until the 16th century, it is interesting to note that Isaiah is structured like a mini-Bible. The Bible contains 66 books, and Isaiah contains 66 chapters. The Old Testament, the first 39 books of the Bible, contain promises of blessing and warnings of judgment. So do the first 39 chapters of Isaiah. Chapter 40 of Isaiah, like the beginning of the New Testament, begins with the voice of one crying in the wilderness with a message to prepare the way for the Lord. The last 27 chapters of Isaiah, like the 27 books of the New Testament, announce the good news of redemption through the servant, the Messiah. Chapter 66 concludes with promises that are reflected in the last book of the Bible, the book of Revelation. God promises to lift up the humble who repent and believe, judge all people, destroy the wicked, bring all believers together, and establish a new heaven and a new earth. The new and restored Israel will occur when they believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. They will worship the Lord in a new temple. The Lord will not look for outward conformity to religious ritual, but for those who worship Him with a genuine recognition of who He is. He is the Creator of all and is omniscient, existing above and beyond all. He exists in His heaven, the third heaven, and made the heavens, the starry heavens of the universe, the second heaven, and the heaven, that is the earthly atmosphere, the firmament, God is transcendent. Thus says the Lord, Heaven is my throne, and the earth is my footstool. Where then is a house you could build for me? And where is the place that I may rest? For my hand made all these things. Thus all these things came into being, declares the Lord. Isaiah chapter 66, verses 1 and 2. He is looking for true worshipers, those of a humble heart, who worship in spirit, and who will worship him as he has revealed himself to be. But to this one I will look, to him who is humble and contrite of spirit, and who trembles at my word. Isaiah chapter 66, verse 3. He contrasts the genuine worshiper, who has a disposition of trust and obedience, with the disposition of the hypocrite. God recognizes those who pretend to be worshipers, yet their feigned piety is an offense to God that will be judged. But he who kills an ox is like one who slays a man, He who sacrifices a lamb is like the one who breaks a dog's neck. He who offers a grain offering is like one who offers swine's blood. He who burns incense is like the one who blesses an idol. 
as they have chosen their own ways and their soul delights in their abominations. The day of the Lord is prophesied in which there will be an outpouring of judgment upon those who have made gods for themselves. The salvation of Israel is prophesied in Isaiah chapter 66 verse 8 and is underscored by the Apostle Paul who writes in his letter to the Romans that all Israel will be saved. Romans chapter 11 verse 26. In Isaiah 66 verse 8 we read, Who has heard such a thing? Who has seen such things? Can a land be born in one day? Can a nation be brought forth all at once? As soon as Zion travailed, she also brought forth her sons. There is a joyful picture of a restored Jerusalem in the millennium in Isaiah chapter 66 verses 10 through 14 and yet a final judgment by fire at the end of that thousand year period Isaiah 66 verses 15 through 17 God's maternal affection for Israel is expressed in Isaiah chapter 66 verse 13 As one whom his mother comforts so I will comfort you and you will be comforted in Jerusalem the book closes with a picture of the nations recognizing God's declared glory and offering Him true worship in Isaiah 66, verses 18 through 23. Those who transgress against God's grace shall experience the torments of eternal punishment in the lake of fire prepared for Satan and his angels. Isaiah chapter 66, verse 24, the Gospel of Mark chapter 9, verse 44, and verse 46, and verse 48. Now let's move on to our next stop in our Bible reading tour to the New Testament book, Paul's Letter to the Philippians, chapter 3, beginning with verse 4, and we will read through to verse 21. Though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also. If anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish, in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own, because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way, and if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. Brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many, of whom I have often told you and now tell you even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. 
their end is destruction, their God is their belly, and they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like His glorious body by the power that enables Him even to subject all things to Himself. And this concludes our reading from the New Testament portion from Paul's letter to the Philippians. Paul illustrates what it means to put no confidence in the flesh with his own example. All that he once took pride in, his Jewish status and pedigree, his training, his zeal as a persecutor of the church, and his attention to law-keeping, he now recognized as worthless, counting them as rubbish compared to the excellency of knowing Jesus and being found in Him, not having a righteousness of His own, but the gift of righteousness that comes through faith in the finished work of redemption. What about you? Is your sense of worth found in your own credentials, or is your confidence before God based on the gift of Christ's righteousness alone? Paul's solitary purpose is to know Christ and glorify Him. All else is worthless by comparison. Warren Wearsby writes, quote, Like most religious people today, Paul had enough morality to keep him out of trouble, but not enough righteousness to get him into heaven. It was not bad things that kept Paul away from Jesus. It was good things. He had to lose his religion to find salvation. End quote. The Christian life is never boring. There is always more of Christ to discover. Not that I had already obtained it, Paul says, or have already become perfect, but I press on so that I may lay hold of that for which also I was laid hold of by Christ Jesus. Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Philippians chapter 3, verses 12-14 through 14. Paul reminds the Philippians of their new citizenship. We are not living under slavish obedience to the law, but we are looking to Christ to be our justifier and our sanctifier. Verses 20 and 21 tell it like it is. For our citizenship is in heaven, from which also we eagerly wait for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform the body of our humble state into conformity with the body of His glory. By the exertion of the power that He has, even to subject all things to himself. What a promise! We have a temporal body that is decaying. That is our humble state. But we have this promise that the same God who raised Jesus from the dead will exert his power in such a way that our physical bodies will be transformed into conformity to Jesus' glorified body. Now we move on to our next stop on our Bible reading tour, to the book of Psalms, Psalm 74, and we will be reading verses 1 through 23. Arise, O God, defend your cause. A Maskell of Asaph. Psalm 74. O God, why do you cast us off forever? Why does your anger smoke against the sheep of your pasture? Remember your congregation, which you have purchased of old, which you have redeemed to be the tribe of your heritage. Remember Mount Zion, where you have dwelt, Direct your steps to the perpetual ruins. The enemy has destroyed everything in the sanctuary. Your foes have roared in the midst of your meeting place. They set up their own signs for signs. They were like those who swing axes in a forest of trees. 
and all its carved wood they broke down with hatchets and hammers. They set your sanctuary on fire. They profaned the dwelling place of your name, bringing it down to the ground. They said to themselves, We will utterly subdue them. They burned all the meeting places of God in the land. We do not see our signs. There is no longer any prophet, and there is none among us who knows how long. How long, O God, is the foe to scoff? Is the enemy to revile your name forever? Why do you hold back your hand, your right hand? Take it from the fold of your garment and destroy them. Yet God, my King, is from of old, working salvation in the midst of the earth. You divided the sea by your might. You broke the heads of the sea monsters on the waters. You crushed the heads of Leviathan. You gave him as food for the creatures of the wilderness. You split open springs and brooks. You dried up ever-flowing streams. Yours is the day, yours also the night. You have established the heavenly lights and the sun. You have fixed all the boundaries of the earth. You have made summer and winter. Remember this, O Lord, how the enemy scoffs and a foolish people reviles your name. Do not deliver the soul of your dove to the wild beasts. Do not forget the life of your poor forever. Have regard for the covenant, for the dark places of the land are full of the habitations of violence. Let not the downtrodden turn back in shame. Let the poor and needy praise your name. Arise, O God, defend your cause. Remember how the foolish scoff at you all the day. Do not forget the clamor of your foes, the uproar of those who rise against you, which goes up continually. And this concludes our reading of Psalm 74. This is a song of the people of God in exile. The temple has been destroyed. They are in a foreign land under the dominion of an enemy. The first part of the psalm describes all that the enemy has done. Yet they have a greater king. In their captivity they call this fact to their minds. They remember all that God has done. When the enemy comes in like a flood, we are to do the same. Remember the Lord. Yet God is my king from of old who works deeds of deliverance in the midst of the earth. Psalm 74, verse 12. The psalmist makes his petition based on God's unconditional covenant to Abraham in Genesis chapter 17, verse 7, and Psalm 106, verse 45. He calls upon God to arise and plead his cause, vindicate his name in Psalm 74, verse 22. And for our final stop in our Bible reading tour, we go to the book of Proverbs, chapter 24, verses 15 and 16. Lie not in wait as a wicked man against the dwelling of the righteous. Do no violence to his home. For the righteous falls seven times and rises again, but the wicked stumble in times of calamity. What a great promise for the Christian, the righteous man, the one who has been made right with God in Christ. We learn how to rebound when we fall, and fall we do. Yet we confess our sins, and God is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. We rise again through the grace of God. Not so for those who die in their sins. Let's pray together. Lord, we do not want to be lukewarm hypocrites, giving lip service and merely going through the motions of daily religious ritual. We humble our hearts before you and tremble at your self-revelation in your word. You are the reality. In agreement with your word is where our hearts find true peace. We mix faith with your promises and action with your warnings. 
Thank you for your promise to come again and call us to yourself, transforming our humble bodies into conformity to your body of glory. We look for the full vindication of your cause and your coming kingdom. We rest in your victory accomplished on the cross. May we, as citizens of heaven, exhibit the truth of your character and accomplish your purposes in a way that brings glory to your name. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. This has been such a rich reading of Scripture today. What a thrilling prospect to know that our Lord will transform the body of our humble state into conformity with the body of His glory by the exertion of the power that He has even to subject all things to Himself. Take all of these truths to heart today. If you have any questions or comments, we'd love to hear from you. You can write us at podcast at newlife.org. And if you'd like to subscribe to a daily email where you can get a written copy of our commentary on each day's reading, you can go to our website, newlife.org. So until next time, we pray that your heart will be filled with the knowledge of God's great grace. May the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lifting up his countenance upon you in Christ and giving you peace. Shalom. Shalom.